This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. This is the first podcast in my new home in Los Angeles, and my guest is the awesome Hal Lublin. How you doing, Hal? I'm doing really well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, So could we just start off by telling people who you are? Sure. Uh, I'm an actor. I do a lot of voiceover stuff. Um, Where you probably know me from is the Thrilling Adventure Hour. If you listen, I do a ton of voices on that. Could you do just one random Thrilling Adventure Uh, Hour voice? Sure, sure. I do Gummy in Moonshine Holler (laughs) and Philip Fathom. (laughs) Two for one. (laughs) That was great. Thank you. Do you ever uh, just get sort of confused and, and kind of do somewhere in between those two voices? <laughs> that, that my normal speaking voice. This is my <laughs> podcasting voice. The normal one is somewhere in between there. It's true. We were speaking right before. He's got a, his natural voice is very high and squeaky. Yeah, it's off-putting. Yeah, it really, I was really, you know, I thought I knew you. And then you came to my home and like, oh, yeah. and it was really disturbing. Thankfully, I was able to wedge my way through the door before you could fully shut it <laughs> and show you. I have other stuff. I have other voices. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of forcing your way into things, your obsession is pro wrestling. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect. Uh, it is the perfect segue, isn't it? I think any segue would be good for pro wrestling because you can just force it, right? Exactly. Obnoxiously, <laughs> over the top, force it, and it will work. Um, so, for anybody who's never actually even heard of pro wrestling, can you explain what what pro wrestling is? Sure. Probably the the easiest explanation that people give is it's like a soap opera for dudes. Um, <laughs> but basically what it is is giant muscle-bound guys who are performing sort of an intricate uh, choreography that looks like an – it's supposed to look like a real fight. Of course, everything is exaggerated. Right. And they create an entire sort of universe. Each company has its own where they have different champions and different storylines and good guys and bad guys. Uh, and you go to see these live in a in a giant ring, and they're also broadcast on television. And and uh, since the '80s, there have been a lot of merchandising opportunities, <laughs> all of which have been taken. Yes, yes. And so, who are some of the famous uh, wrestlers that that people would just know their names? Probably the most famous wrestler would be Hulk Hogan, right? Um, uh, who had his own reality show, also. So he he met a whole new audience through VH1. Um, Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Dwayne Johnson, who was also known as The Rock, right? Jeez, um, who else? Uh, maybe Mick Foley, people have heard of, or Terry Funk. I have never heard of Terry Funk. Uh, he was bigger in Texas. Wrestling used to be more regionalized, right. so different people would know different wrestlers really well. But Ric Flair is another. A uh, pretty popular wrestler. And how many are sort of character based? Uh, because like, isn't there like the Undertaker who's like all gothy or something? Yes. So there was a period. I, I mean, going all the way back, there were there were more gimmicky character based wrestlers. Right. And then during the the late eighties and particularly the early to mid nineties, that sort of exploded. So you had uh, wrestling garbage men and wrestling plumbers. <laughs> uh, there was a guy. Who uh, I was actually watching some old school wrestling to prepare. I was telling you before we started recording, uh, and there was a guy whose name was Erwin R. Scheister, and he wore a collared shirt with a tie and suspenders, and he carried a briefcase. The so, idea being that he wanted to collect taxes from everybody. Oh, okay. So, so he was a tax man, not a lawyer. He was particular? a tax man. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there have been a ton. Now there are less. Okay. They're they're still gimmick based, but it's more based on their attitude, or they have some sort of an odd background. The Undertaker's maybe the one guy who, in 
25 years with the same company has had the same character. The same shtick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a strangely evergreen shtick to be goth. (laughs) Yes. It still works all the time. The world needs goth. Yeah. Uh, I I understand wrestling just a little bit. I don't understand some of the more modern stuff, but Mm -hmm. uh, back in Minneapolis, uh, that was a big regional scene in in Minneapolis, especially like in the, the 60s, 70s. Uh, and I did a sort of biopic live show with uh, the Baron, the Baron von Raschke. Oh, wow. That was about his life and was about uh, sort of how he got into it. And he, I think he was kind of early on in being the bad guy shtick because yeah. he was just <laughs> an evil German yelling dude. Uh, in fact, if I remember, if I remember right, he would give people the claw. Wasn't that his? Yes. That was his finishing move. He would clamp his hand on somebody's face, and it would render them uh, inoperable as a human being. Yes, yes. He would do damage to people's mandula obligata, which yes. he loved to say in his big loud <laughs> German. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's amazing the science that they try to throw behind moves. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a move called the mandible claw that Mick Foley did <laughs> as mankind. He would take his two middle fingers and put them. The idea is he's putting it in your mouth and putting pressure on on your jaw, uh-huh. and that's supposed to hit some nerve. It's some sort of a nerve hold <laughs> that knocks you out. So and nobody ever figured out the counter move of biting. No, oddly enough, in all the scientific research conducted by wrestlers, they never once explored biting, which seems odd. It's sort of the obvious choice for you. And yeah, me. it seems. Yeah, the uh, the cool thing that I took away from the sort of the story of of the Baron Jim Rashke is his real name is that he was he's just a really nice, earnest guy, which of course is interesting with the contrast of a screaming evil German. Uh, but sort of the way he told it, he was from the school of pro wrestling where it was important not to admit that anything was fake, that that would you know destroy the theatricality. And the way he had got into it is he wanted to be a wrestler. He was a big, tough guy, and he was good at wrestling. So then when he was trying to be, like, a good man and make some money, he went to these wrestling events, and people told him, like, well, you need to scream like a German. And he just said, okay, that's what's required of me at my job where I'm making money for my family. So I will scream like a German. And the idea of that, it was a cool insight into sort of, like, how ridiculous wrestling is that people could just approach it as, this is what is required of me at my day job. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's a, it's like, it is a business. Like, they're going to provide for their families yeah. or whatever, but the things they have to do are so ridiculous, and especially those older school guys, they call it um, maintaining kayfabe when, you, uh, when you're not revealing that everything is a work or right. fake. And the, the, the further back you go in terms of who a wrestler is, the more likely they are to maintain that. Right. And like, I mean, it's... It's bizarre. Like, they had to go to airports and restaurants and bars, and they wouldn't allow the good guys to fraternize with the bad guys outside of the <laughs> arena, even if they're like, oh, we're uh, we're brothers-in-law. Well, you can't be together in public. Yeah. And if people see you, you have to keep that going. So wow. it just must have been interesting for him to come into an age now where that, that line is a little bit blurrier on purpose. They yeah. kind of turn that into the thing. Yeah, I can't remember all the details of it, but I think it was with sort of the ascension of Hulk Hogan and uh, it's Vince McMahon, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, he he was taken over from I think his father, right? Yes. And I think there was there's a lot of turmoil about the shift in ideology. 
Totally. <laughs> I didn't think I'd say shift of ideology. <laughs> Surprise! I have a liberal arts degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you, growing up watching it, did you always know it was fake? Or, or was there a time where <laughs> you still had your innocence? Uh, when, I was, when I was really young, when I was like 9 or 10, I thought it was real. Like I did, I, People would say it was fake all the time. Yeah. Go, no, it's not. <laughs> I remember going to see... Um, WrestleMania 3 in closed circuit at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Wow. My parents took me, and it was a bunch of people sitting in a stadium watching the jum- the Jumbotron to see, basically watching a pay-per-view, but right. in person. And Rowdy Roddy Piper was wrestling in a retirement match. <laughs> and he won, but it was his last match. And I remember I was like, I got teary-eyed about it because he was not wrestling anymore. Yeah. Not realizing that in the wrestling world, retirement means I'm taking a two-year break and then I'll be back <laughs> wrestling again. So I was very much like, this is very real, and uh, I, I bought into it. And I don't know, I can't think back why, like what it was about it that seemed real to me. I just, right. I guess I bought into the fantasy of you it. You bought maybe? into the theater of it. It was yeah. like successful storytelling, right? <clears throat> yes. So it's like watching a soap opera if you really do think that that person is real and they just had their eighth divorce. Like, that poor person. <laughs> when you say it like that, it seems, like, criminally insane. If I was watching, like, The Guiding Light, I was like, I can't believe those twins can't get along. One of them is so evil. Yeah, but, you know, that's it's. I guess it's the quality of the thing yes. that it, it draws you in. So now it's just totally open that it's, that it's an artifice. It, it is... Um, I think there are people who are still caught up in it, and yeah. and uh, maybe whether it's real or not is not of concern to them. Right. But to me, it's more, I'm more interested by what's going on backstage and how that translates to what's happening uh, in front of the audience. Right. Because for every match you see, the outcome is predetermined, and... So you want to figure out why. What is going on in the politics of this company that this person is supposed to lose? Or are Ah. they trying to elevate somebody further up the card? Right. You know, when somebody wins the championship, it's not necessarily because they're the best wrestler ever. It's because the company thinks that that person can make a lot of money for them. Right. So you're sort of figuring out, oh, I think that is the next person who's got the the set of skills to, to be a main event guy. Right. So you get to sort of watch them either ascend or get stalled and trying to figure out what's going on. And then also, even if you know the outcome of a match, how they pull it off and tell the story, I think, can be really interesting as well. Right. And do they still do the good guys, bad guys shtick pretty heavily? They do. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin in the late, mid-late 90s kind of created the anti-hero. Okay. Because he, he was <laughs> because good it was guy. the late 90s. Because yeah. it was the late 90s. It was that time. <laughs> Everybody was goth. So The Undertaker was hot. Um, but he was like, he. they turned him into a bad guy or a heel. And just, the, just by being a heel, he started to gain the favor of the audience. And they were cheering for him even though he was actively trying to get them to boo. So the, the company, in a smart business move, said, all right, he's actually a good guy. We're going to match him up against good guys and bad guys and let him sort of carve out his own path. So he was like the first sort of bi pro wrestler. Yeah, he was bi curious. <laughs> Wasn't sure which way he was going to go. Nice, nice. So you're, so you're a fan of other sports at all? Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I'm a rare kind of crossover geek. I love like video games, sci-fi, role-playing games, comic books, but also football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Cool. So 
so when I was researching pro wrestling it, by reading about it on Wikipedia, yes, <laughs> which is how I research everything for the podcast. <laughs> sure, reliable. Uh, <laughs> it's very reliable. Uh, it seems to me that you know people always discuss Hodgman in particular has his joke about the nerd jock singularity. And when I was reading the Wikipedia page, I was like, has it just been here since like the 1960s, and we haven't been paying attention? Because it does seem like it seems like sports mixed with like community theater. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't think of anything nerdier than community theater. <laughs> So do you, growing up, did it make sense to you of like, this is in my sweet spot between liking hockey and Batman? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it did sort of hit that. It was big, like, costume muscular guys. Um, but also it had, it has, they have to be pretty solid athletes to pull off what they pull off. Right. Not, they're, you know, they're not trying to overpower one another, but when they work together really well and they have good chemistry as performers, yeah, it's like watching, um... Any sports team where the where the team has gelled, right, and it's just fun to watch them. We're like a basketball team where all five guys play well. Might not be great individually, but together they're a great team. So watching them execute plays um, is really kind of pretty. Which is another, <laughs> you know, people say wrestling is pretty all the time. This certainly <laughs> is not a new term that I'm introducing. I honestly don't know. Do people call it pretty or? Probably not. Just okay. me. <laughs> but we're breaking ground here. First yeah. LA guests. And yeah. First time anybody Person? called pressing pretty. Aw, it is pretty. But I feel that way about, like, physical comedy. Like, yes. a really well executed, you know, Buster Keaton move where he breaks limbs is like, that was beautiful. I mean, because it is. It's about that. Precision and the technique and the ability and all that. Yeah. Um, so, do you have a favorite wrestler? I do. My all-time favorite wrestler is a guy named Chris Jericho, who's popular wow. now still um, because he he's a wrestler, but also was the singer. He's the singer for a band called Fozzy. He has a podcast. <laughs> he's like performed with Groundlings. Okay. He's really kind of spread himself out everywhere. Not that maybe he might not be the best comedian on earth. Right. But uh, to me, he's just always a compelling personality. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It was a really good talker. So when he would cut a promo, which is whenever would, whenever they cut to an interview where somebody's like, let me tell you something, I'm going to take you in the ring and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's their promo because they're promoting whatever match or, or feud they're in. Yeah. Um, he was just really good at it and really entertaining to watch. And then also in the ring, he was really athletic and, and he told a good story and he made the people he was wrestling with look good. Right. Um, so that, that, that maybe appealed to me as an improviser in a weird way. So did he have a, a shtick? Did Jericho mean anything? Or was he just sort of like a big dude with personality? Actually, he's one of the smaller guys. I think he's like 5'11 or 6 foot. Oh, wow. So he's average Tiny. height. <laughs> he, um, and he weighed like 230. So he was like in good shape, but okay. not like... He could like, lower his arms to his sides. <laughs> he didn't have that weird muscular thing. <laughs> did he? Did he cut that in the promo? Like, look, <laughs> I, can, I can put my arms against my rib cage. Yeah, that was all of his matches were who could flatten their arms against their sides the best, and he won. He was undefeated for many years. Um, he had sort of like a rock and roll personality. Okay, uh, when he debuted in in. Uh, WWF, now WWE. He was coming from the competitor company, which is WCW, owned okay. by Ted Turner. Um, and they would have, leading up to him uh, debuting on WWF, they would have a countdown clock running. And nobody knew what the countdown was. And when they count, when it counted down to zero, he appeared, uh, and it was late 99, so he was Y2J instead of Y2K. <laughs> and he came in as a bad guy and just was so entertaining. Yeah. So his he was always just like 
kind of a clown, kind of clownish. Okay. He would make fun of people and be entertaining that way. And then he came back a couple of years ago. He would take time off and come back. He came back and was the bad guy and would just insult the audiences for being stupid and <laughs> how much more intelligent he was. And for a year and a half, he was the best thing in the company. Like, by far. Okay. Got a ton of, of heat from every crowd he faced. Nice. Put on great matches and sort of carried the company at a time when they didn't have uh, they didn't have a top bad guy. Awesome. Awesome. So if you were a wrestler, what do you think your persona would be? <laughs> I like the... Uh, I, I want to say I'd be like the re- the guy who's really like crazy angry all the time. <laughs> because it's so unrealistic. It's just like <laughs> eyes bugged out and face red and shaking all the time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that would be a lot of fun to play. You feel like that would be cathartic? Yeah, I think so. Would you have a specific... like? Would you have a gimmick? Or would you just be like... Hi, I'm Hal Angry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd like to see how that one would fly. I, you know, it's, jeez, uh, how about an escape mental patient? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that would be great. And that is, like, that's a sadly lost stereotype of, like, older media. Yeah, but not in society, everybody. You should show a little bit more care Yeah. to the mentally ill who are loose on the streets. Yeah, they're around us. They're people, they might be your sister <laughs> or brother. Use this or litmus uncle. test to determine who the criminally insane are in your family. Are they shaking and doing promos? <laughs> Do they start every phrase with, let me tell you something? <laughs> or, you know something? So, as Hal Angry, the escape mental sure. patient, uh, you're doing a promo, and yeah. you're going to take somebody into the ring, and what are you going to do to them? <laughs> I'm going to tear them limb from limb. I'm going to make them wish they never showed up, because they know when I'm there that they're soon going to be gone. That was terrible. I think I can get a job now. That was awesome. I hope you're listening, Vince McMahon. I hope you're listening. I like the ambiguity of it. Things aren't going to work out well for you, buddy. Some stuff's going to happen. You will not like it. I'll be in favor of it. And I'll let your imagination take it from there. Because I'm not showing up. I think that would actually go pretty well. Sort of the anti-wrestler. Yeah, just hiding in the rafters, cutting weird promos at people. And I don't do specifics. <laughs> yeah, never wrestling. The time is here for those things. <laughs> Cut to something else. One of, one of my favorite things that I read on Wikipedia, one of the reasons I like to research on Wikipedia is it's usually pretty good overall information, but then it has like really dumb specifics or like overly proper Okay. And it discussed, like, sort of the balletics and the the wrestling chops. And then it said, also, often used in wrestling, is improvised weaponry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they get a suggestion from the audience of a weapon that two people would use. (laughs) Well, it's something you wouldn't find in the back of your car. (laughs) I heard porno. Okay, (laughs) Okay, here we go. Hit him with an old VHS (laughs) copy of Debbie Does Dallas. (laughs) So, uh, if Hal Angry, the escaped mental patient, had improvised weaponry that he hit people with by surprise, what do you, what would your improvised weaponry be? I think it'd be fun to take uh, the handle and wire of an old rotary phone, <laughs> just swing it around, and smack people with it. Because, you know, look, it's a striking weapon, it's a choking weapon. Oh, yeah, it's it, really versatile. People. Yeah, it's great. Make that satisfying ring when you hit people with the base of it. Yeah, and I can use it like the tow cables in Empire Strikes Back and trip people up. <laughs> God damn, that's great. And that really goes with the escape mental patient from, yeah. like, you know, some 1950s episode of some anthology television series. That's right. We all know that rotary phones were really hot. Oh, yeah. In all uh, mental asylums. But it, and 
there's so it's so odd to see like a, a rotary phone with a base. There's something actually kind of creepy about it. Like I've stepped out of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they haven't seen new phones. Everybody run! You're using VHS tapes and rotary phones. Yeah. I like that you're attacking people only with like antique technology. <laughs> and then when I say I've got the next wave, it's like VCR plus remotes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I got the four digit code for your demise. <laughs> Cutting people with broken AOL discs. <laughs> You've got mail. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So if you could see any two non-wrestlers in a wrestling ring, like anyone from your life or from popular culture, who would you like to see wrestle? Oh, jeez. I'd like to see Kim Jong-il wrestle (laughs) Kim Jong-un just because of the hair. I want to get to the point where <laughs> they're, both of their haircuts have just gone all haywire. Yeah. I kind of want to see what's under the hood of those haircuts. <laughs> one of them is dead. We'll never know. Yeah. But the other one is now everybody will have the haircut. So you yeah. can just pick any two people who live in North Korea <laughs> and get the same result. But. For real life figures, those are about the most pro wrestling real life figures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and for people who are familiar familiar with uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker are the co-creators, writers. Yeah. If they were in a wrestling match, who do you think would win? Which Ben would come out on top in a wrestling match? Well, to be fair, of the two of them, Acker's much larger than Blacker. <laughs> yes. So if it was purely physical, I think uh, you would go with that. And you can't even say like Ben Blacker would outwit him because they're both super smart. <laughs> I would rather see them as a tag team, <laughs> taking on other writers from other podcasts. Maybe they wrestle uh, Joseph uh, Fink and Jeffrey Craner from Welcome to Night Vale. That would be an interesting match. Yes, yes, I would pay a lot of money to see that. Yeah, uh, awesome. So uh, there's a whole section on the Pro Wrestling Wikipedia page about uh, rules of what moves you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole big section on exceptions to groin strikes. Really? (laughs) Ways to work around the rules where it is okay to strike people in the groin. How much groin striking is there actually in pro wrestling? You'd be surprised, (laughs) obviously, from the question. There's a lot. That used to be... In, in like the in like the late '90s to the early 2000s, that was just sort of everybody did a groin strike, and the the, the proper technique was to you you go down and you would the whole forearm would go under, so you'd see the fist wow. come up behind. The idea being, I've struck them in the groin without actually striking them in the groin. Right. You don't see like the direct like testicle punch or the <laughs> vagina toe kick. Uh, it's just sort of attacking the region in general. Right. But I want to know what these special rules are. Well, there I can't remember all of them, but there was a long... I had to skim it because it was so long. There was like two paragraphs on <laughs> how you could make someone's groin interact with the ropes in a way that was legal. Like you could sort of <laughs> rub their crotch against the rope. Or you could bounce them once, okay. but you couldn't repeatedly bounce their groin well, on top just, of the ropes. That'd be too much. Yeah, then it's just sexual. Yeah. And wrestling's for kids, right? Yeah, wrestling's for kids. There's nothing sexual about it at all. <laughs> it's entirely family-friendly, uh-huh. wrestling. So do you think that groin strikes... Uh, were you excited when you saw the groin strikes? Was that like a special moment? <laughs> I feel like uh, this is... If I answered yes, that would that you would have the police waiting. To come. This is like to catch a predator. Uh, you said in your profile that you enjoyed groin strikes. Um, 
Not particularly. <laughs> it's when it's worked into a match in an interesting way, I guess. Right. It's, when it's like it's entertaining, narratively appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll give you an example of one. Actually, something came to mind. Chris Jericho was at a WrestleMania. He was wrestling Shawn Michaels, uh, who's another very popular wrestler. He's a okay. heartbreak kid. Um, two really really good wrestlers put on a great match, and afterwards they go to shake hands. And then as soon as they're done, you know, Jericho gives him a hug and then kicks him in the balls <laughs> because he's a bad guy and he hates him so much. The, the whole storyline was Shawn Michaels keeps upstaging me over right. and over and over again. I'm tired of it. I'm going to beat him at WrestleMania. He loses to Shawn Michaels again. And then that's the result. So it made sense in the context of the match's story, right? I guess. Right. So it was like theatricality. It was like a nice button in a twist. It's like yeah. the end of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah, well, the color red was all over that match, so you knew something was going to happen. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so the the term for a bad guy is heel. In, mm-hmm. Is good guy still baby face, or yes. is that an old term? Yeah, baby face or face. Okay, so since you've spent so much time with wrestling, when you meet people, do you think of good guy versus bad guy? Do you think about who's a baby face versus a heel in real life? Um, sometimes people can do things that are heelish, but I like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm still in touch enough with reality that I don't go like, heel, baby face, baby face, heel, 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 heel. This is a really bad subway car. This thing is loaded with heels. Do you ever get the urge, though, to just like boo someone when they do something you really don't like? Yeah, but that's because I'm from Philadelphia. I'm a pro wrestling fan. (laughs) That's our our genetic right to boo everything. Does that really just happen a lot? Like you just see some like somebody jaywalks and everybody else on the street goes boo! Fuck you! (laughs) I wish that were true. I'm sure somewhere in Philadelphia that's happening right now. Let's see what else we can do to ruin the reputation of my hometown. They boo people. They'll set each other on fire. They really like crotch shots, right? Yeah, they play knockout all. The time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so, how would your life be different if you hadn't had pro wrestling in it? Like, how does it affect your day to day perspective? What would be different if you didn't know it and love it? Uh, I might have gotten married a little earlier in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. You know, one of my best friends uh, who I met. I moved to, to L.A. in 2000, and he and I were in a Groundlings class together. Cool. Um, this I promise this will relate. We're, <laughs> uh, we were walking after class to go get something to eat with a third friend of ours who pointed at a hat that was in a window front and said, that hat looks like something that Trish Stratus would wear. Trish Stratus, a uh, fairly well-known female wrestler. Okay. At the time, she was maybe at the beginning of her time in WWE, and she would wear this like crumpled cowboy hat. And uh, this... This future friend, Jordan, and I both realized at that moment that we were both huge pro wrestling fans. Oh, cool. So that was how we initially connected uh, with one another. So that would probably be the biggest change. Is I, we might not have forged a bond that quickly. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I know you're probably mostly joking about the getting married sooner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a different obsessed. <laughs> but do you feel like we were talking earlier about how 
it is in some ways a nerdy pursuit, yeah. pro wrestling. Do you feel like it has any of this stigma, especially like back in the 80s and 90s uh, before as much of the geek renaissance as we have now? Do you feel like it had the geek stigma that like it was weird to be the kid who just fucking loved pro wrestling and had all the stickers on your Trapper Keeper and all that? I, th- I think when you're younger, it's okay. I think as you get older and just for the time that that I was growing up by the, by the time it was like the late 90s and stuff it was very much it was less of a geek stigma and more of like a redneck stigma uh. if you watch this you are probably lower class um you probably are a misogynist um and you you cannot discern between reality and what's <laughs> happening on television or in that arena okay which is partially due to the product they were putting out. They were putting out a dumbed-down, very profane product. Right. Um, very macho. Yeah, and there still is a lot of that. Like, I'm, you know, I mean, it's huge, muscular guys yeah. wearing trunks wrestling one another <laughs> in front of, like, these fans who are going crazy. If you watch anything, any wrestling on television, you'll see those fans that are, like, rabidly into it, and they've made a sign, and they are... They're, they're cheering as if they're watching like gladiators in ancient Rome. <laughs> so, I mean, it, th- there, there's a reason that stigma exists is that there are people who sort of fulfill that prophecy. Right. But it's it's not it's not everybody. It's possible to be intelligent and also be a pro wrestling fan. Right. It sounds like if you can kind of see the sort of the irony and the absurdity and the soap opera behind it then you can appreciate it for this has very little to do with any <laughs> sort of real life macho Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so I'd like to ask people questions about how obsessed they are, just to get kind of a litmus. Sure. Uh, so do you think about pro wrestling every day? Uh, it sneaks in there a lot. I don't know if it's every day. <laughs> Lately, it's been more uh, more pronounced <clears throat> because uh, my friend and I have been talking about it a lot. WrestleMania just happened, so it started a. I didn't actually. I was playing Dungeons and Dragons while it was happening, so I was I was on the other end of of, of my obsession spectrum. So, but there was a text string of about four or five people, and it's still going because after WrestleMania, the Ultimate Warrior passed away. Right. So it became a discussion of that. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's been around a lot with the Ultimate Warrior passing, a lot of discussion of it. Yeah. I love that you were watching, you were playing Dungeons and Dragons, so you couldn't watch WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were at the crossroads there. <laughs> it really was. Uh, do you have pro wrestling underwear? I don't. I think maybe I did at one point. Maybe a pair of boxer shorts. And uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or is that were these Chris Jericho? Maybe or? like The Rock or something, <laughs> or just oh, uh, I think I maybe had a pair that were the WWF logo. I think. Okay. Okay. Boxers. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, would you attend San Diego Comic Con while cosplaying as Chris Jericho? Sure. Why not? <laughs> The one, the version where he wore pants, not trunks. That's not. That wouldn't be fair to anybody if I was walking around in like a speedo. Do you think that people would know? At Comic Con, somebody recognizes every character, mm-hmm. so someone would recognize Chris Jericho, but other people would just think that like you're an anime character they've never heard of. Possibly, you know, it's weird. I had I had two Chris Jericho T-shirts that I I wore so much that both of them got holes and I, they had to be thrown away. Wow. Like I had to get rid of them, but. <laughs> Those shirts, more than any other T-shirt I own, got comments from people when I was out and about. They oh, go, really? "Hey, Chris Jericho!" Like people, people knew it was like a, 
It was like a secret society. <laughs> is there a Chris Jericho nod? Yeah, there's a did? nod, a handshake, <laughs> a, a side shot. agreement. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> there's my parting bull shot. Ooh, <laughs> see you later. That would be horrible <laughs> if you wore a t-shirt and is a way of saying, I too am part of this community. Someone would just hit you in the balls as you walked down the street. <laughs> yeah, and I kept wearing it. Like, oh, this, is, this is a great day for that Jericho t-shirt. <laughs> if that was true, you would be the most obsessed person I've ever had on the podcast. Uh would you watch a pro wrestling movie made by Wes Anderson? Yes. I'd watch any movie made by Wes Anderson, to be fair. Yeah. I think he would probably do a more interesting version of a wrestling movie than any than anybody else. Like I've seen the I've seen a lot of pro wrestling movies. There, there are very few that I haven't watched, either okay. documentaries or Body Slam in the eighties, which is fantastic. <laughs> Dirk Benedict and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh wow. Um I I saw The Wrestler, which was Darren Aronofsky's movie, which was okay. There's a lot of stuff there that that is true based on what I've read and seen. That's um, kind of depressing. Yeah. Uh, but Wes Anderson, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, please, please, if you're listening to this, Wes, I know he's a <laughs> frequent listener of Obsessed. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, sure. Yeah. I, I uh, want to see. I want to see him. Uh, I want to see Willem Dafoe and Bill Murray as a tag team. <laughs> wow. I would. I just picture them wandering into the ring and just sort of saying like weird philosophical things to one another. Yeah. Until one of them just sits down. Yeah, and the evil champion is like a twelve-year-old Indian boy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Have you ever tried a pro wrestling move on another human being in real life? Sure. Uh, my friend, my friend Jordan, not like in an attempt to hurt, but my friend Jordan and I. Uh, would do stuff all the time. I would hold him up in a, like a choke slam. Uh, what is a choke slam? A choke slam is a move the Undertaker does. He basically put your hand right below the neck. Okay. And then you hoist the other person up and then throw them down. Okay. Um, so I could do that with Jordan because he's smaller than I am. Uh, he and I would fake wrestle. One time I was outside <laughs> of a theater having seen a show and he happened to be there. And as I was talking to somebody... He came and speared me, which is just a running charge. <laughs> he speared me into a car, and I had to sell it. That's the thing. That's the thing he's a wrestler. Course, selling yeah. something is making it look like it hurts. And it took me out of a conversation with, like, strangers. <laughs> After theater? Yeah. Were you just discussing, was it, like, Broadway, the Driving Miss Daisy or something? No, we saw, like, a sketch show in Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it was more appropriate, but still, it was very weird. And, but you have to... You have to sell it. Yeah. And so then you, you picked him up by his clavicle. I picked him by his clavicle. him to the ground. Threw him to the ground. <laughs> well, probably not that. I, I held him up. I probably could still do it. I'm going to see him in a couple weeks. I should try. <laughs> yeah. Train up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just walked up to him and said, I was on a podcast, so <laughs> go after it. Uh, would you watch pro wrestling with a nun? Sure. I, would, <laughs> I, I hope the nun believes it's real, though. Because that would be more fun. Believes it's real and is really into it. Yeah. Like, go kill him! <laughs> so you would watch it with a violent nun. A violent nun. Or a peaceful nun who's, look, I can't, oh, oh. But the nun has to keep watching, right? Right. The nun can't turn away because it's unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's strapped down, of course. Oh. That's implied. Like all nuns <laughs> while watching television. Uh, if you found out that Hulk Hogan was your father, how would you feel about that? Ashamed? <laughs> based based on all the stuff that's come out about him in the last couple of years, he's got like a sex tape. Oh God, um, I'm not familiar with that. Thankfully, and he, yeah, apparently he had a sex tape with somebody who was like a mystery woman. Okay, and the mystery woman turned out to be his best friend's wife, but it was some bizarre like wife swapping thing. But then his friend and the wife got divorced, and 
And this all seemed to be like real life hijinks. This was oh, not totally real selling life. it. Okay, not selling it at all. Okay, um, I've not seen the tape. I don't want to see the tape. <laughs> but like, he's kind of a weird guy. I actually saw him this past spring. Uh, my wife was uh, she does photography work. She was photographing a charity event. And I was helping her out. Okay, and I was sitting in the lobby of like the Hotel Bel Air. Uh, no, the Regent Beverly Wilshire. Okay, and he walked through on his way to like a meeting. And he was just like, yeah, dude, we got to do blah, 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 talking to somebody. <laughs> and I wanted to, like, stop him, but he looked like he just didn't want to be bothered. I don't want that guy to be my dad. Jeez. Yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> that, let, that lets me know where the line is. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of strangely touched on this question earlier. If you couldn't watch pro wrestling without being punched in the groin first, would you still watch it? Like, if it was a prerequisite, like, Ooh. okay, it's coming on, you have some friends over... But before you can watch it, somebody's just going to come to the room and hit everybody in the balls for real. I think it depends on the card for the for the for the show, and it depends on how hard the punch is. To be fair, so so under the right conditions, yes. If it was just painful but not damaging, like it, this is not going to prevent you from having children. It's just going to hurt for three to four minutes. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, that pain. Uh, it's sad that I'm familiar with that pain. I think we all are. I think all people are familiar. Uh, sure. Why not? Every once in a while, every once in a while, there's got to be some programming that's worth a good groin punch. <laughs> I tried to explain, I think I was a little tipsy early in my relationship with my wife. I tried to explain uh, various being hit in the ball sensations and their nuances <laughs> to my wife. And I think I used, uh, what I can't remember the phrase, like that mystery sensation mm. where you've been grazed lightly in the balls oh, the and you have that, that twinge like this might get really bad or it might go away and I remember like this was like a good torture test of our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> because I, she, I said you know when men have that sort of mystery feeling she's like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You're like instantly nauseated. Yeah. And it, oh, I was going to say the graze is the worst kind of Because <laughs> you just, you worst. don't know. You yeah. don't know what you're dealing with. It's like the two testicles have rung together. <laughs> They're vibrating. Like the flash, they can pass through the sack. You don't know. At that moment, anything's possible. <laughs> like the flash. Yeah. Like one testicle might end up in another dimension. Yeah. Crisis on infinite balls. You know that one, right? <laughs> this is the most immature and geeky. <laughs> moment of, of the podcast thus far. Wonderful. So, uh, do you have anything else that you feel you want the world to know about pro wrestling or your obsession with it? Um, geez, I, I know it's not a thing that's for everybody, but if you're, if you're interested in like grand theater, like particularly like Commedia dell'arte, <laughs> you, you might enjoy some pro wrestling. Yeah. It's possible. And if you, if you haven't seen it before, it's worth looking... And if anybody asks you, it's worth giving it a shot just on the merit of of understanding it at face value, right? Rather than going in thinking that it's that it's a lower class form of entertainment. Cool. Yeah, if you can get past a little bit of the facade, you can sure. see all of the interesting things that support the facade. Yeah. Right? So some of them are really good storytellers. Some of them. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I've been asking people to make noises to sum up their obsession. Sometimes it's hard, but with wrestling, it seems like there's a litany of noises sure. that you can choose from. Can you make a wrestling noise? Sure. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> Does that count? I know it's words. <laughs> that was great, because each of each of those sounds I expected to be the last. I expected <laughs> you to say, oh, but then there was a yeah, and I thought, for sure we're done, but then 
brother. <laughs> it's like watching Heat. You think it's finished? It it's going. never over. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so here are our final questions. Uh, if you had to have the hands of a specific animal, what animal's hands would you want? Um, oh, I can't remember the name of this animal. But I saw them on a, on a show called Zaboomafu. It's <laughs> like a kids. It's like a PBS show. It's like let's go explore animals. Okay. <laughs> it's this weird like bat monkey that has like little tiny paws, but the middle finger is like it would be like if your middle finger was three times its length because it uses that finger to dig for grubs and stuff. Okay. I just want to walk around with hands like that. I, I just think it's hilarious. You want extremely long middle fingers. Yes. I've based characters on the way that that animal chews. <laughs> Big bug eyes just... Uh, I, I, doing it right now would make no sense because we're recording this. But just the movement of the jaw, it looks like a cartoon character. Awesome. life. Awesome. Well, I'm loving picturing you walking through Philadelphia with extra long middle fingers. <laughs> so I can dig to the bottom of the cheesesteak for everything that's good. Excellent. If you could erase one song from human memory, what song would it be? Uh, Wonderwall. Oh, wow. I don't know. Who? It's by Oasis. Okay. You could pick any Oasis song I would erase. <laughs> Can I just erase Oasis? Sure. Sure. Why not? Done. Done. <laughs> Bye-bye, Oasis catalog. <laughs> like a punch in the balls of the memory of Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> they are gone. Uh, and the final question for everyone on the podcast, what is happiness? Uh, happiness is, uh, jeez, I was going to say pursuing the things that make you happy. <laughs> Doing the things that, that fulfill you and surrounding yourself with uh, people who are supportive and who you can enjoy the company of. That is awesome. Thank you very much, Hal. That is our podcast. Yes! <laughs> You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Uh, here we are at the end of the podcast. Surprise! There's an ad for my Patreon, but this is a very specific ad. It's going to be pro-wrestling specific. For those of you who aren't familiar with uh, Patreon, it is a crowdfunding site that uh, gives ongoing support to artists, and uh, you donate money for every time I post a comedy blog post, and I use those comedy blog posts to inspire bits for stand-up and for comedy albums and for this very podcast. So if you support me on Patreon, you are actually supporting this very podcast. Uh, and here to advertise my podcast is Hal the Angry, the Escaped Mental Convict, cutting a promo for my Patreon. Enjoy. You know, wherever I go, every country, every state, every city, every village, there's one name on every man, woman, and child's mouths. Joseph, 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 ringing through the mountains and the trees and the buildings like the call of a siren goddess. Joseph, 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 you want him, you need him, you know he's coming for you, brother. So when I tell you to go to his Patreon and give some money to keep this man, this man among children, this god among men, this watcher among gods going and providing you with the laughter that you know you want, that you know you need, I know you will do it and you will join the masses around the world saying, Joseph, 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 Joseph! <laughs> <laughs>